Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Welcome to the Writer's Hangout. Thanks for listening. The coffee of choice we're drinking today is an almond macadamia latte from G&B Coffee, voted the best ice latte in America per the New York Times. Today's guest on the pod is writer-producer Mike Goyo, here today to talk about his new series, Send Help, a coming-of-age dark comedy which premieres this month on AMC's All Black Network. Writers, I think you're really going to enjoy what Mike has to say about getting staffed and jumping in and creating his own series. Let's get started. Mike Gaio, welcome, and thank you for joining us on the Writer's Hangout. This week is a big week for you. Your show, Send Help, premieres on AMC's All Black Streaming. I got a chance to see the pilot, and I loved it. It is a show that will make you laugh, and it will make you think. But before we talk about Send Help, who came up through production? Did you like working in production? I did come up through production. And first, you know, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Great to be talking to you. Yeah. You (laughs) were working on American Idol, and so you think you can dance, which I wish we could have a four-hour podcast just on your experience. But then you made the jump from reality to scripted with the equalizer and claws. But my first question, I'd like to go back to your very first credit a short entitled Staying Afloat. Do you remember that? Oh my God, you're taking me way back. Yes, okay, way back. back. <laughs> you were a boom operator. Oh is that God. job as hard as it looks? It definitely is because I, I for sure messed up on my first day and like ruined all the sound Seriously? <laughs> that, they captured, that they had captured that day. Yeah, I mean... Yes, I was a boom operator on this short film back in Boston years ago. It was like my first paid gig entertainment. And it wasn't even paid. You know what? Going back, (laughs) it wasn't paid. I think I I got credit in like a meal. (laughs) So day one, they were asking, have you ever like been a boom operator before? Have you ever operated audio equipment? And I'm like, no. And they said, well, it's simple. All you do is hold this, turn this on. And I'm like, okay, great. Sure, why not? So that's I did exactly as I was told. And then at the end of the day, when we're shooting like a 12-hour day, they come back to me and they're like, hey, so we have none of the sound for today? And I'm like, oh, that's strange. Uh, I could have sworn I turned that button on that you said to turn on. It wasn't the best first day. That was my first like, gig. Yes. I think the first experience in entertainment is always so fascinating. Is there anything that you learned that day that you've just taken with you? Yes. Hitting play is definitely one of them. <laughs> okay, good. Hitting play is definitely <laughs> one of them. And, you know, what I learned... What everyone on production does, you know, I am a writer 
by trade, but it's being a showrunner, being a show creator, being an executive producer. It's really important to know what everyone else does. Exactly. When you're on set with your crew, it's good to know what each person's job function is. And just to know, have a little bit of insight into what they do and into their world. It it just helps you become a much better showrunner. I agree a hundred percent. You know, I listened to the podcast, Issa Rae Presents Fruit, and you wrote on that. How did that come about for you? Oh my God. Come on, research. Oh, that's like, you're, you're bringing back some things from the past. It was a great experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was my first paid writing gig. And that came about after meeting Issa in 2015. So at the top of 2015, Issa was having this mixer at her production company. And in order to get into the mixer, you had to submit some material that you've written or anything that you've done. And I submitted something, not thinking much of it, and then heard back that I got into the mixer. And so did a couple of friends of mine. So we all went. Got to meet her for all of two minutes. You know, a good 30, 40 people in there. We didn't really have much face-to-face time with her. But in those two minutes, I made her laugh. So I felt like, okay, you're going to remember me because I made you laugh during our conversation. Um, Maybe a couple of months after that, she had sent out an email blast to a lot of us writers who came to the mixer. And she was looking to put together a mini writer's room for this short film she was doing for women's rights. And she didn't end up selecting me for the writer's room. But I remember emailing them back and saying, hey, I'd love to PA on set, willing to do it for free, you know, just really wanting to learn. And she reached back out and she said, yeah, totally come PA for us. So I got the chance to be on that set and talk with her a little more. Around that time, I want to say it was like May or June, and I had written something that had made it to the second round of the Austin Film Festival. And that year, she was going to be a panelist at Austin. Um, So while on set, I just remember saying, hey, you know, I think we'll both be in Austin. We should hang out or maybe we can like, you know carpool to Austin. <laughs> of course she was like, no, um, I will, I will not be doing that. Uh, so, but we did end up meeting each other again in Austin, had a couple of drinks. By that time, Insecure got picked up to series. So I remember asking if she needed an assistant or something. I think she had all her support staff. Was, she was all staffed up for Insecure. Mm-hmm. On the week after having drinks, she emailed me about fruit and said, I'm, I'm you know, putting together the scripted podcast. I would love for you to come in and interview for this, which I did, and then ended up landing the job. So I wrote on fruit for two seasons. Wow. You, you never know where the break is going to come from. You just don't. And you know. uh, I don't mean to sound like your mom, but bravo, you did all the right steps. <laughs> oh, you re- thank you. You thank really you. did. And for the writers out there, you know, just keep in contact and make Issa Rae laugh. That will that will get you <laughs> onto yes. a podcast. Now, do you think yeah, that's don't no don't, don't stop? I would say don't don't, don't stop. Definitely don't stop. I would say follow up for sure. Always follow up. Be persistent, but not not enough to where you are being annoying. But definitely right. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Yeah, don't be creepy. Right. Definitely just follow up. And I find it at times it's best if you already know what your ask is and what your contribution can be instead of asking 
the other person, you know, broad questions about what you should be doing. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Targeted specific questions that you have in mind are always best um, because people are always wanting to help. They just want some clarity in terms of how to help. So it's always best to to be clear about what your your needs are, your intentions are, and, and, you know, what you're asking for. Yeah. Going back to what you said, you didn't just say to her, oh, I'd love to work on that. Your show, you said, hey, do you need a PA? Right. Yeah. That's great. In my research, everything I've read about you includes giving back. Just touched my heart so much reading. First of all, I love your style. And I love your heart. You are the CEO and founder of Black Boy Rights Media, which focuses on supplying industry access and resources to pre-WGA Black screenwriters. Maybe for just our audience who aren't sure what pre-WGA means, if you can explain that just quickly. And can you tell me about BBWM? Absolutely. Oh, I've never heard the acronyms like that. Oh, I like that. (laughs) No, absolutely. Pre-WGA means that you are a pre-Writers Guild of America, right? You're pre-union, so you're not in the union yet. You're working towards it. What generally happens is that once you get your first writing gig in the industry, whether that's on a TV show or you get a film deal or you're making a movie, you will get inducted into the WGA, which is our union that, you know, protects us, dictates our pay scale, things like that. It basically means you are now an official writer in the industry. So when you're pre-WGA, that means it's before you've gotten staffed, before you've gotten your break, pretty much. So we are trying with the Black Boy Rights and Black Boy Rights Mentorship Initiative are aiming to bridge the gap in diversity in Hollywood, right? So there are a lot of reports that have come out, whether that's P or C or even WGA statistics, that there is a lack of diversity in Hollywood. And my program aims to kind of fill that gap. So there are a lot of Black writers out there, up and coming Black writers out there, writers Black writers who are in their second act in life and are, are wanting to to change a direction. And they're really talented. They just don't have the access or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and our program aims to provide them with the access uh, to be amplified so that, you know, executives out there know where to find them. But also we, we focus on fine tuning their material so that by the end of the program year, my agents, which I'm partnered with and my managers read their material and determine whether or not they'd like to bring any of them in for meetings and potential representation, you know? So it's all about giving them a pathway towards the career industry that they're wanting to be a part of. Wow. Hey, if you ever, you know, want to maybe bring some of your mentees on the show and just talk about their experience, that would be really, really good. I would love that. I would love that. I would would definitely love to come back with some of my mentees and have a a chat that that would be fantastic. That would be great. Now, this Thursday is a really big day for you. It's the premiere of Send Help, and you are co-creator, co-producer, co-showrunner of the series. That's impressive. With your producing partner, Jean Ailey. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Yay. Can you tell me about the series? Absolutely. Yeah. So the the Send Help is about a first generation Haitian American actor living in LA, pursuing his career in entertainment while also 
just juggling his relationships with women and navigating his friendships and his relationships with his family. So it is also a examination into trauma because he is dealing with a family tragedy that's taken place. And we kind of dive into how that affects his relationships, how he navigates his relationships, and how it affects the decisions that he makes. All told in a very comedic way, because at the end of the day, it's still very much a comedy, but there are some very kind of insightful themes that we focus on too, like tragedy and trauma and just mental health. Yeah. It looks like you shot a lot of it. Was it downtown? Was I correct in that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, downtown LA. A lot of it was shot in downtown LA. I really like the relationship between the, forgive me, I don't know her character's name, the long-suffering girlfriend. Is she her girlfriend or just kind of a really close friend that lives and next to Fritz? Oh, yes. You are talking about Erica. So Erica... Oh. Uh, Erica lives in the same building as Fritz, and they have an understanding. They are, you know, what we would call, you know, friends with benefits. Friends (laughs) with benefits, that's it. Right? Right. Um, And have never really had a very serious conversation about their relationship and what direction it's going in or not going in. So when Fritz is engaged, his attention is with someone else, and that seems to be flourishing, it then becomes could potentially, you know, become an issue. So yeah, we deal a lot with like relationships, how they work, how they're defined, how they happen, and you know, the emotions that are attached to them. And thank you so much for letting her have dignity. Because back in the day, that character wouldn't always be given their own mind. They would always just be, you know, like every time Fritz came home, she'd open up her door and peek down the hallway and, you know, kind of stalk him. But she's a a fully fleshed out human being who has her own life. And I appreciated that. And that's hard to do when you're trying to introduce so many characters. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It it was really important for us to have all of our characters be fully fleshed out, but especially all of the women we we want, we wanted to make sure that even though that this was a male led series or show that all of our female characters were fleshed out and fully formed human beings, because I mean, that's the world that we exist in. That's the world that we live in. You know what I mean? Um, so yes. uh, having a diversity of thought in the writer's room as well, when it came to women, we had two female writers in the room. No, we had three female writers in the room and two other male writers in the room other than myself and myself and Jean. And it's important just having that diversity of thought because not one person is the same. You know what I mean? So you can't expect whether that's a gay person or a black person or a woman or whatever, you can't expect that one person to speak for the entire group. There is going to be diversity of thought that exists in order to be able to create a fully formed character on a show. So that that was really important to us. You've been quoted as saying that this series is about Haitian people just existing. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, absolutely. So I feel like oftentimes Haitian people on television are seen as like caricatures or stereotypes or are almost given the villain edit just in the news pertaining to like immigration or deportation and just being villainized. So it was important for Jean and I to express or to show Haitian people just living, just 
living as anyone else would live, you know, having experiences that everyone else has or that are dealing with. This show is, isn't is too dissimilar from other shows that are about an actor or showing like behind the scenes of the entertainment life. It's just told through the perspective of a Haitian American, through the perspective of Fritz, who is living this very specific life you know but while being specific while being ingrained in like haitian culture it's still very familiar to people and it still feels universal because he's with a lot of the things that he's going through multiple people a lot of people are going through no matter your culture where you come from so that was really important for us to just show haitian culture in that way and and just express how similar we all are in our family yes Now, Fritz, he struggles to overcome the challenges of mental health, which is a stigma faced within the Black community. That's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to deal with without being preachy, just getting that tone right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for us in the writer's room, what was very, we know we were working with themes that were serious, right? That had some weight and some heaviness to them. So for us in the writer's room, it, we always led with comedy. It always needs to be about comedy. It always needs to be funny so that we okay. can sneak in the seriousness I see. of the show, you know? So mm-hmm. for us, it was, it was important to discuss mental health, specifically Black male mental health, which is so taboo or comes across as taboo a lot of times because Black men is something that we're dealing with, but that isn't often expressed on television or in the news or anything or isn't often mm-hmm. talked about. So we wanted to, to kind of shed some light on that, but still in a very comedic way, you know? So for us, it was just always important to, to show that struggle and to yes. also express that it's okay. There are many people going through this thing and, you know, and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's that's very touchy thing for, for men. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, it can be a delicate thing. line. Did you get any pushback or anything like, well, we want it to be funnier. Can you lighten up on the struggle or was the powers that be, are they behind you? The powers that be were very supportive. They were very supportive. Oh, they understood the direction we were going in. They have a really great understanding of their audience and what their audience might respond well to. And this was one of those things, you know. Of course, they were, it has to be funny. Make it funny because we are writing a dark comedy here. There's still comedy in the darkness. <laughs> I would say that the network didn't really push us on a lot of things, which we were very thankful for because they just always wanted to make sure that it, things made sense and that the story was cohesive. But when it came down to how we wanted to express Haitian culture or how we wanted to explore that, they were always very receptive of how we wanted to do that and just open to to what we wanted to do. So it was a, a really great partnership. Oh, good. That's wonderful. Did you use any of your own life when you were creating Fritz? Yeah, because Fritz is based on Jean-Elie's life, kind of semi-autobiographical about his life. But when it comes to the series as a whole and certain elements of Fritz, yeah, there's, there's bits of my life in there. There's bits of my upbringing, my relationship with my mother, how we, how we mm-hmm. talk to each other, especially when it comes to immigrant families or immigrant moms, how we, how we talk to each other. So far, just based on folks who've been able to see pre-screenings of the show, have talked about like, oh my gosh, like that Fritz's mom sounds like my mom. You know what I mean? Being able to hear that is just, it just shows that like, oh, okay, we definitely hit a sweet spot when it comes to relatability 
uh, with other people. But also the writer's room, too. The writer's room was sharing their thoughts, was sharing their stories. So a lot of what happens to Fritz or a lot of what happens in the show, it also is because of the writer's room and what individual people in the writer's room went through. We have a writer in the room, Jordan, who's Jewish, who, and like Jewish mom guilt is not so far from Haitian mom guilt. It's very much the same. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's very much the same. So just being able to explore our different worlds and our different cultures in a way that made it feel universal was great. So we we really leaned into that. The phone calls with the mom, and I think you, you, you're like, oh, mom's on the line, and you're you're just ready to be happy, and then she does put some really kind of heavy guilt trips on him, and just her relationship with her husband and you can just see Fritz's discomfort. And uh, yeah, those phone calls really work. You get a lot out of phone calls. No, uh, you do. You do. Right. And I'm glad you picked up on that. So sometimes it can be, you know, tough talking to your, your parents and Fritz feels that. So sometimes talking to his mom presents a certain level of pressure or anxiety that he wasn't ready or not wanting to deal with, or just not wanting exactly. to, you know, figure out in the moment. And a lot of us go through that with our parents, you know, we, we have those conversations that we don't particularly want to have, especially when you're the eldest child, or you are a child put in a position of having to take care of everyone else. You really feel that with Fritz, you really do feel that the pressure on his shoulders, and then, you know, and it's just all wrapped up in charm. Here's my Big serious question, Mike. Are you ready? Yes. Starting out, what was your biggest misconception of what it means to be a working writer? Biggest misconception is that you're writing 24-7. That to me is the biggest misconception because in order to have ideas, in order to uh, continue to be creative in order to kind of bring life to your stories. You have to be out living life. You have to be out actually experiencing life, you know? So if you're just kind of like hunched over at your desk in your office all day and night and not ex- out experiencing life, then where are you getting your stories from? Where are you gathering your stories? You know, you have to be having dinners or going out, just enjoying life and experiencing life with your, being with your family, being with your friends, being with your loved ones, right. out having fun. That generates new ideas. That generates new stories that you otherwise wouldn't have thought of unless you were out doing something fun or doing something different. So yeah, that's one of the biggest misconceptions that us writers were chained to our desk writing all day. No, we're not. We have to be able to experience life to come up with some of these ideas. Yes, the room does end. What's next for you? Next for me, well, right now I'm currently developing a a pilot. I'm also writing a feature that's based on a true story that I'm really excited about. Can't say a lot about it now. Oh, I'm cool. also working, I'm also one of the writers on an animated feature for this animated feature that's based on Wyclef's life. Like Wyclef is doing all the music for it. And yeah, we're, we're I'm really excited. We're all really excited about about this one. It's it's How do you like writing for animation? It's different, you know, it's really different. It almost operates like a writer's room because there are storyboard artists, there's the director, there are the other executives. It very much operates like a team. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really like that because it feels familiar to a writer's room for me, which is where I like I thrive. 
So yes. I've, I've really been enjoying it. And you kind of have to write as you go, as the storyboard artists create too, which is different. So it's been, it's been really fun. Oh, great. Would you like to play a lightning round of brain drops? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, yeah, let, let's go for it. Let's try okay. it. Right, Brain Drops is a fast paced QA with answers only a writer can provide. Oh my I'm God. I'm going to start okay. the timer for one minute. Okay. And okay. Where do you write? At my desk, at home. I have to write at my desk. When writing, music on or off? Mm, off. Reading a hard copy of a script, one Brad or two? Ooh, two. Whiteboard or legal pad? Ooh, whiteboard. Final draft or Celtics? Final draft. From the past to present, what TV show do you wish you wrote on? Oh, my God. Okay, there are so many. Okay, Succession, The West Wing, Barry, Bag. Um, oh, I mean, Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote, I think she, didn't she write the whole thing herself? She's brilliant. She uh, really all these, is. All these, yeah, all these writers are, are brilliant. And let's see, I would have loved to have written on so a different wait, our world. Our timer's already off. Huh? Oh, well. Oh, our okay. timer went off. There so many, yeah, there are so many shows I would have loved yes, to have written but, on. Uh, well, you know what? Let's finish it up anyways. Okay. Favorite snack while writing? Ooh, popcorn. Favorite snack at craft? These popcorners, popcorners. Do you come up with a title for your script at the beginning or end? Ooh, sometimes at the, at the beginning, and then sometimes it changes by the end. Writing at home, PJs or clothes? Mmm, I'm not a PJs guy, but definitely comfortable, like leisure at home. Comfortable. Okay. Shaded parking spot right next to the production office or 25K extra in the budget? 25K extra in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even pause on that one. No. Is Issa Rae as wonderful as she seems? Absolutely. Okay. Would you hire a writer, a staff writer who never fails to write the perfect joke or the staff writer whose first draft needs a minimal rewrite? Mm, I with the great joke. Okay. Favorite time to write? Day or night? Night. Mike, thank you again. This was so much fun. Thank you. I had such a good, that that was a great game. I love that Oh, good. Good. (laughs) I'm glad. So everybody, please, All Black Streaming, Send Help premieres this Thursday. And I hope that you come back with a mentee. Oh, absolutely. Would love to. So yeah, let's figure it out. Okay. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Verne. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.